Hello, welcome to another episode of the For Jesus podcast. My name is Alessi DeBartolo, and I'm here with... Joshua Reese, back again. And we also... Oh, wait. It's just us. He left us. He's not here. No Luke this week. Whoa. Is this the first episode without Luke? Yeah, yeah. This is a little weird. And while dad's away, the kids will play. He trusted us. (laughs) Yes, he did trust us. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) We do have a great episode. We're talking about one of the most loved things on the planet Earth, which is coffee. Coffee. Yeah, and how coffee has made its way into all of life is all for Jesus. Well, yeah, if I was uh, having anything to say about a podcast, I had to figure out how coffee could fit in there. Yeah. And more than just like I turn coffee into sermons or I turn coffee into education, but actually about coffee. So tell us about our guest, Alessi. You know him pretty well. Yeah. So we just had an interview with um, Lawrence Jarvie, who's the founder of Provision Coffee. Um, So he has known my family for quite a few years. Um, believe it or not, I actually, we didn't talk about this in the interview, but I actually worked for him for a summer. Um, I like called churches to see if they were interested in having his coffee in churches. It was like a summer between college or something, but Anyway, we've known him for a long time, um, and he just has a really great story, um, a lot of stories. We just get to get a glimpse at a few of them um, of how he's really um, pursued coffee and how he has um, made all of life all for Jesus, mm. even in the world of coffee, both locally and globally. So Yeah, it was really beautiful. Make yeah. sure you stay till the end. He's got a lot to say. Yeah, um, yeah. But really feel like he lives out kingdom work in yeah. his yeah, work. So yeah. it's kind of great. Yeah, he does. He's uh, he's married, has two little girls um, who are pretty cute, uh, and uh, has a shop in Arcadia um, called Provision Coffee. So um, hopefully you enjoy this interview. Um, we had fun. It, Luke is not a part of this interview, so hopefully we uh, we did it justice. But I think we did. I think so, too. Give her a listen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lawrence. Um, we are just so excited to hear from you and learn more about you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just enjoy this conversation about coffee. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Really excited to jump in and talk more about coffee and <laughs> yes. all things for Jesus. They do tend to mingle together yeah. in my life. So. Yeah. so why don't you just start explaining that? Um, sure. who, who are you? What are you doing here? And uh, oh my gosh, well, I met this girl named Alessi. Like, how old were you? Oh man, man we're going back in time back. here. You were probably, th- I don't know, it was when you met my family. So yeah, I've known your family for a long time. Yeah. Um, that's irrelevant, but um, no, I'm here today. I think, you know, really um, the, the most thing that's most exciting about, you know, coffee and Jesus is for me is that they actually do matter. Mm-hmm. And so it all started 10 years ago. So I moved to Arizona. A lot of people don't know this and it's been really fun to start talking about this, but I played golf professionally and they're like, what? And, and how'd you get into coffee? And I'm mm-hmm. like, look, when you give your life all to Jesus, you don't get really to choose all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really funny because they're like, uh, how did you make that transition? I'm like, I literally was like, okay, God, if you want to do something in my life, then do it. And I ended up in the suburbs at a church called The Grove, um, which I didn't know was a church when I first went there. Mm. And I was drawn in by the trees and kind of had a really special meaning to me. And the next thing you know, I'm volunteering and they hand me over a coffee shop. And then drawn in by the trees. I, I get, that's a, oh that's man. a loaded statement. It is. So <laughs> I come from, uh, I grew up in a vineyard church. So very charismatic and that kind of, Uh, you know, metaphor of a vine and like really Mm. growing deep. I've got a tattoo on my arm. Um, It's a bonsai tree. So the idea of a bonsai tree is, is that most people will look at a bonsai tree in order for it to grow. 
you have to cut it and shape it. And so if the first part of my life resembled a lot of people cutting and shaping me for the Mm. way that they wanted me to be Mm. versus the way that I felt God needed me and intended me to be. Mm. So the bottom half of it is actually the roots of a bonsai tree, which you won't see ever um, because they're wrapped up in a pot. Mm. So the second part of the tattoo resembles that really the meaning of my life and my journey with the Lord. Mm. Well done. Yeah. That's like better than Mr. Miyagi stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'm pretty deep. Well, there's like all these little things in my life have a lot of meaning and it's not, uh, it's not the intention of like, I want to be cool and I want to have more meaning. It's really that um, I tend to read scripture very black and white in a lot of ways. And I think that if we really are to give our life to Jesus, then then we kind of let, need to let go of who we think we are to in order for him to grow us to who he has intended us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up at this church called The Grove. I was kind of shattered from a golf career slash injury, not knowing what I was going to do, but I was still really, really hungry for Jesus. Um, I Before I moved to Arizona, I was enrolled to get my MDiv um, from Fuller and had really had this desire to like just get to know the word and the scripture and Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and understanding, you know, systematic theology. And like, I was just really hungry. I was like, yeah. okay. And I saw all of my friends go to seminary and they kind of like just took this big, huge turn where they kind of lost people in the, in that transaction where mm-hmm. they had so much education that they lost the ability to mm-hmm. actually connect with people. And I was like, it hit me very deeply because I saw myself falling in love with the educational side mm but I'm very driven by people. So if you guys are Enneagrams, I'm a two. Um, and everything that I do is out of my heart. So like sometimes it comes across in a healthy season, it's very healthy in a bad season. It can be very manipulative. So mm. I did not want to use what I knew about myself for the wrong reasons. And I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to go to seminary, mm. but I had no idea where that was going to lead me. So I ended up at this church by these trees that I felt <laughs> like the Holy spirit drew me in. And I kid you not. Cause I was like, I didn't want to be there. And as soon as I even walked in, I was like, this place isn't for me. Mm. I I interacted with a woman. I was like, this is too much. Like, I didn't even think this was a church. And she's like trying to recruit me in Sunday times. And I'm like, oh no, not again. (laughs) Like not this whole like approach to Sunday church. I'm like, I'm out. And she's like, no, no, come join us. So I ended up going to church there, fall in love with her heart for mission. And then I start leading a coffee program. And then I just become naturally curious. Mm. Um, And leading a coffee program there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So people always ask me, how'd you get into coffee? I'm like, well, coffee kind of, I loved coffee. Okay. Um, I always like, des- like Starbucks or Dude, you'll be surprised. Yes. I was a caramel frappuccino like okay. all day long or an people, upside yeah. down caramel macchiato okay. like, yeah, or Americano. I try a lot upside down caramel macchiato. So you can actually get it. So you don't have to stir it. They'll do it the other oh, way around. Great. It's a real thing like in and out, you know, like well done fries. That's great. That's good onions. to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been in food and beverage my whole life. Because so like, how do they expect you to stir it? They they don't. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> You're just supposed to layer it and drink it. I'm uh, like, I want to drink it together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, the coffee thing was always part of my heart. I mean, I traveled a lot when I was younger in college um, doing missionary stuff and just really fell in love with um, being in third world countries and never really had the, knew, knew that the two kind of correlated so well. And as mm. I became more curious and started actually studying, like, I didn't know coffee was a fruit. First of all, most people don't know that coffee is a fruit. It's literally... Did you know coffee was a fruit, yeah. Reese? I'm going to say yeah. Okay. I'm going to say yeah. I was confident, <laughs> so it's good. Uh, but there's there's two seeds, basically, essentially, in most varietals, and they're a berry. And it's a fruit, and there's a mucilage that's kind of around it, and you get those two little tiny beans that somehow show up at your house 
roasted to your preference. Mm. Um, I won't be particular today. I'll keep my pretentious specialty side to myself. Um, but you get to, you know, you get this bean and you grind it and, or you don't grind it and it's already from the store. Uh, but it, it came from somewhere. And that was kind of like where I started. I'm like, well, where did mm. it come from? Mm-hmm. And who, who's involved in the process? So as I pulled back the layers, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how complicated this little thing that we oversimplify in a lot of ways. There's mm. coffee has this tendency to be very, very romantic. So that idea of the third space, like when you walk into a coffee shop, there's something about it. You're just kind of like drawn into, mm-hmm. and it could be nostalgic. Like, Oh, I remember studying in college or I met my first, you know, person, um, in this space. And, uh, there's just, they're like, everybody kind of mm-hmm. steps into that space and they tend to be like, well, it's really simple, right? You put water and coffee and you serve it and there it is. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's actually not, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very complicated. Yeah. So, or it could even be like my headache's about to go away. Oh man. I literally <laughs> on the way here, the was like, I was praying, like I only had a cup of coffee and I'm like, why does my head hurt so bad right now? Total now only one. I had one. Wow. Yeah, I know. Ooh. I've been on a journey of like pulling back. Oh, uh, we I'm can, sorry. We'll get there, but, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too deep, too fast. I'm, I'm on four cups a day. Oh so. man. The DeBarlo family does run on caffeine. So <laughs> we do. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah. Okay. So, so you fell in love with this, uh, journey of coffee and realizing how much more complicated it was. Yep. And so then what led you to then create provision, provision coffee? So I, I literally had this vision. So when I, funny story. So when they gave me the coffee shop, it was like a, I always tell people it was like a snack bar or like a baseball field or, you know, where you kind of like, you see Red Bulls and chips and soda. Mm -hmm. And they really had this vision for hospitality. And I've been in hospitality now for 24 years. So I love serving people really well. And it's kind of crazy. I've been in, you know, dive bars to uh, high end cuisine to working for the PGA tour um, to, you know, in a French, this French cuisine restaurants are like where I really fell in love with stuff. You guys are, are we, are we okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> There's like a side conversation going on. I'm going to refocus. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> no, we're, so I, we're, we're taking notes here. No, it's okay. Um, this is where it's hard when you can't see just for the viewers at sure, home. So you understand sure. what I'm, I'm looking at a whiteboard and I've got a lessee to my left out of my, like, what is that? Like 1030. And then. <laughs> It's like three o'clock. So I'm like trying to do this thing because I like to look at people when I'm talking, but I'm staring at a whiteboard answering questions. Anyways, side note. So back to the question. <laughs> um, uh, so I, when provision. I. Provision. Provision. Yeah. So we're heading towards provision. We're heading towards provision. Yeah. I'll tell you why I came up, where this all came from. When I was a cartel uh, enthusiast and they were the, like probably the first specialty. The coffee cartel. Roaster. Yeah. Coffee cartel. Gotcha. I worked at a bar. Thanks for the clarification. I worked at an, I worked at a bar on Mill Avenue that we served their coffee. And I was like, when I had it the very first time, I was like, this is like probably one of the best cup of coffees I've ever had. Mm. And that was like the very first point. And then I started Mm. showing up weekly before my shift. I tried to order a cappuccino to go and they were like, no, we don't do that. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? You don't do that. And they're like, we don't serve cappuccinos to go because the ratio. And I was like, What's the ratio? ratio. (laughs) No, this is a real thing. And they had a sign, like, as I saw, it was like, no cappuccinos to go, don't ask. And I was like, is that sign real? (laughs) And she kind of like looked at me and she was like, "Uh uh-huh. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll have it for here. So I fell in love with a cappuccino and I was like, okay, this, the ratio thing's real (laughs) as I learned. Um, But on my way to cartel, as I became a wholesaler of their product, 
um, I had this vision and it was like, you're going to use coffee to build community mm. both locally and globally. And it was like this, you ever, you ever drive or you're like, you're kind of in the zone and you're, you're kind of paying attention to the road. You're mm-hmm. not going to, you know, obviously you're not going to hurt anybody, but you're literally like getting this like mm. vision for your life. And I was like, I got to cartel and I was like, how did I just get here? I just spent 30 minutes in the church van. I was like, oh my gosh, like, is everybody okay? Like, did I run a red light? And <laughs> I like had this incredible download. And for me, that was, that was the, that was the turning point. I called my best friend at the time and his name was Joel. He passed this last year, mm. sadly. Um, but he, he was such a, an incredible believer and loved the Lord. And I said, Joel, I said, what do you think about this vision? And I like went full, you know, mm-hmm. full gears ahead. And he was like, well, first of all, you're not that creative. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, Joel. Thanks buddy. And he's like, second of all, you have two options. Mm. And he's like, you either say yes or you say no. And I was like, mm. thanks for the advice. Okay, I'll call you later. But no, I, I literally, we talked about that for a little bit and I couldn't find a reason to say no. Mm. Um, and I've, everything inside of me felt like I needed to be in this place. And I had never experienced that before in my life. Um, and I was 27 at the time when that first kind of happened. So that led into a couple other conversations, which led me into more curiosity. And, and the, it actually wasn't called Provision at first. It was called The Coffee Project super like original say I'm not creative. Um, provision came from a conversation with one of my buddies as I was describing to him the vision. And I said, I really see like myself carrying like this backpack full of supplies. Mm. And in that backpack is provision essentially, which was medical education, you know, food, um, all of these things, uh, microfinancing that what I saw kingdom as like, if we're really talking about kingdom, it was like, this is what the kingdom is. It's provisional. And he was like, dude, you just like said the definition for provision. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, that's the name. And I was like, no way. And he's like, Google it. And he was a business major. And he's like, nobody has it. He's like, buy it. And I was like, Mm. okay, how do I do that? And he's like, so we set up like this thing called stable host and I bought the website. And he's like, okay, now we're going to file for the trademark. And I'm like, Mm. are you serious? He's like, yes. So we filed the trademark that day and like began the process. And I really had no idea what happened. Mm. Um, I sat on that for a while and was just like, I think I just like started something, but I don't know if it's real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyways, that was the beginning of provision. That's okay. cool. So, so, so yeah, essentially cappuccino was like your was flex capacitor. It was, that was like, it. Yeah. It was when you hit your head on the toilet and that just came up yes. with the idea. <laughs> that was the beginning process That's of it. That's crazy. Yeah. I definitely hit my head a few times having That's those cappuccinos. Good. That's good. But again, it was the third space being in. So, um, I have a shop now in Arcadia and, um, the, the beauty of getting to know Alessi and her family is her dad, Jack, um, is not only a great architect, but has been a great mentor and like a father to me. And a lot of what, how he approaches life, uh, especially in design is this idea of creating space, which this is one of the most beautiful campuses that mm-hmm. the redemption has no offense to other redemption. Yeah. Um, you guys are spoiled, but this idea of creating space that really evokes kind of God's creation um, where we allow light to shine through and things to kind of happen, mm. you know, and, and a lot of people don't look at those things. They experience them. Mm. They don't, they can't actually put their finger on them. Yeah. Um, but that idea of being in space is really kind of what started to create this thing. And Jack and I met actually in the Grove coffee shop, mm. um, when he was doing the Grove. So he would always come in and order an Americano and, um, <laughs> still yep, does to this day. Drink. It's his drink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we would have these incredible conversations and he would kind of ask me like, so what are you doing with this thing? Like, where's it going? And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's been crazy to see how God has put people in my life 
as um, not only like I would say assets or tools, but have been encouragers and people who've also been praying for me in the process. Mm -hmm. Because I think we all know that just because the Lord gives you a vision or you fully surrender, like life doesn't just start happening for you. Right. Sure. Yeah. There's tons of complications that I think that come across that process. Yeah, I like that statement Joel said to you was, you can say yes or no. <laughs> yeah. So That's simple, pretty, but that profound. That is so simple, but yeah. so profound. Yep. Yeah. It's like, can yeah. you explain a little bit more, because you talked about global and local. So how, sure. like what we're hearing is a lot more local. Like you bought yeah. the name, you want, you right. have a shop in Arcadia. How is global uh, how related with coffee? So global, so let's talk about, Coffee's actually, you know, comes predominantly from third world countries. So you're going to, it's all, it's grown around the equator. And okay. that was where missionally for me, I was like, man, I love being, I mean, I was a part of, um, invisible children and like, I followed like the Tom story. Like when I was mm -hmm. growing up from like that younger age in my twenties, I saw a lot of companies that were using products, um, that were coming from third world countries. And I was just like, how do we do something that's, it was, it was amazing how God took something that was like five years old and then all of a sudden gave me like a tool to do it. Mm. So as I had this vision um, for the company, I started asking questions and sharing it. And there was actually a, a pastor on staff at the Grove that was like, dude, I met this guy in Guatemala like seven years ago on a plane. His name's X. You should look him up and like call him. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I called him. And the next thing you know, um, I'm talking with this gentleman named Rick who had been working in Guatemala for you know, 20 years and through, um, all different types of biblical communities and education, mm. but he had just started working with coffee farmers. Mm. And what he saw was, is that as he was working alongside people in other forms of ministry, all of these people grew coffee mm. and they became incredibly curious and they kind of created a business model. And that's where like light bulb went off for me at the moment, because not a lot of people were doing relationship buying. So when we talk about global, obviously we have to get the coffee from somewhere. So yeah. when I say local and global, it's because we are literally in two different markets. Mm -hmm. um, so now we work in nine different countries wow. um, and provision, you know, can proudly say that we, you know, almost 99% of the coffees that we actually purchase we know where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. We know how much we've paid for them. Mm -hmm. And we know what's happened in the process from getting them from point A to point, you know, F because there's so many different steps. So okay. globally is really important. The second part of that is, is that not only um, do we focus on the global side, but we, we focus on what it can do in those communities. So that idea of provision, originally when I told the definition was more for the global side because I saw that we needed to be impactful in how we purchase something. Mm. And so coffee was this thing that was predominantly grown in third world countries. And I was like, perfect. So we're working with farmers yeah. to not only pay them more, mm. but to create sustainability. When we use that word, like, what does that mean in coffee? Well, for me, it means a lot because there's a lot of things that people don't know about coffee and they don't talk about. So most of my job now is building these relationships mm -hmm. in these third world countries, which is really difficult. I mean, when COVID hit in you know March, we had a container of coffee sitting in Bolivia and it sat there and it didn't leave. Hmm. Now, coffee is a, is a food. So essentially it's aging. It's and actually it's a fruit. <laughs> ah, it is a fruit good man he's learning and it, it ages over time and as it ages it definitely changes its flavor profile so mm -hmm. um and you're talking about you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of coffee sitting that farmers have basically been paid for but on our end we are not receiving so there's just so many different complications yeah. in the process so what we've tried to do with provision and and this is actually the first year so i started um I went out and raised a bunch of money and basically 
started the green side. So there's, there's provision as a wholesaler Mm -hmm. that we sell to churches and to Mm -hmm. other coffee shops, um, into our own coffee shop, which we have a retail kind of expression. And then there's provision, which we have a green side, which allows me to really build that global. So we're literally 10 years later, I'm just now getting to start Mm. what I first envisioned, which was to create these sustainable relationships and see huge impact. Interesting. For example, we're working in Rwanda. Um, We had this unique opportunity a couple years back that my business partner who owns a company called St. Frank in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. um, who's also uh, ironically is a ministry guy like Mm -hmm. myself, but we both work in, you know, kind of mainstream coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, We partnered in Rwanda and we were just buying their coffee, but now we're working with the whole entire cooperation. We bought all of their coffee. And for the first time in Rwanda, normally they just blend. So if you're familiar with like varietals, so let's just take Mm -hmm. um, like a grape, you know, I think it's easy for people to use wine. So if you're using uh, wine, there's like a couple different varietals that creates like a Chardonnay or a Pinot. Well, coffee is the same way, um, but there's like thousands of varietals. Mm -hmm. So normally in Rwanda, because they don't have the education on the specialty side, they just basically throw all the coffee and the varieties into one and they create one blend. Okay. So we were getting a blend from Rwanda, which was really good. But we knew that if we could work closer with the farmers, that they had lots that were actually higher scoring that we could get them more money for. Mm. So this was the first year that we were able to basically do five estate lots. And the beautiful side of it is, is that we're already paying more than they would normally get. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, we're giving them 50% of profit of what we gain from the coffee. So Kevin and I aren't only purchasing the coffee for provision in St. Frank, but we're Mm -hmm. partnering with other roasters Mm. in the country who have this ethos. And by the way, like some of the biggest roasters in the United States that are kind of smaller companies like me Mm -hmm. come from a missional background. Mm. So there's this very interesting kind of loop of guys, women and guys in coffee who have taken like their ministry side and really poured it into this mainstream thing because they really care about the process and Mm. people are just really naturally drawn to coffee. So, that's kind of that a little bit of that global without getting overcomplicated. So you like help them charge you more. Correct. I That's basically say, cool. yeah, and it's and this is the first time they were because actually they deserve control it. it. They do deserve yeah. it, and I think that if you if people actually spent a day, I mean, take take farming in our country, go and go and pick strawberries for a day, mm-hmm. and and I think we we would think that it would be exciting, mm. right? We might get excited to go pick strawberries, but imagine if you pick strawberries every day. Mm-hmm. And then you grow those strawberries and then your harvest is ruined by no water or too much water. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you even put that into perspective for somebody in America? You don't. Yeah. So now take, or fries charges a dollar for five pounds and you're like, how in the world? How do you do that? Cheap. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing that happens in coffee. So what, what was really frustrating to me when I got into coffee was I'm like, how can we, how does it get to be like a dollar 50 or $2 at the finished product, like who's involved in this and who makes that decision? Mm. Well, commodity, it, coffee is actually a commodity. It's traded in the stock market. So it's basically oh, based on futures. That. And yeah, so coffee is one of the largest commodities traded in the world. It's usually between oil and coffee. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, that became, that was another thing that I was like, holy cow, like this, this thing has legs. Like from mm-hmm. a business standpoint, mm-hmm. I'm like, we can make some serious impact if we can change mm-hmm. how coffee's purchased. So we're just beginning that process of actually, I think changing the narrative, which mm. as you guys know, is not easy. Mm. Um, and we've created, I mean, I thought that maybe seven years ago we would have some like momentum and here I am 10 years 10 later years, yeah. and I'm like, it takes a long time. We're just starting yeah. and I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. So then going back to local, so you, uh, 
now own a shop yes. uh, in Arcadia yes. called Provision Coffee. And what is kind of your goal and mission there? How do you kind of use some of the same things, some of the same values yeah. in the global setting that you use locally in yeah. your own shop with your own employees, things like that? So I think from the starting point with the space itself. So we we worked with, um, with your dad, Jack, to create a space that um, basically would would allow community to thrive. And what I mean by that is, is that design has a big impact into how people move in a space and how they can relate um, to one another. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like having a cup of coffee, how do we create intimacy with not being too intimate? Mm -hmm. How do we create, you know, fast paced lines that actually allow people to move in and out of space? Because in, in hospitality in general, people are usually in a rush or they're very needy. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get it, they tend to be like all of a sudden, like the world is ending. Mm. So we try to create space, first of all, and these are like three pillars that I use for myself in my life. The second is hospitality. Okay. We try to meet people where they are. Mm. So it's beautiful. It's really hard right now because we have masks. So it's right. hard to see, you know, how is someone is feeling, mm. but you know, we tend to, we look for people who, who have great personalities, mm -hmm. um, that can actually see other people where they are. Mm. So we talk a lot about a pe meeting people in their, in, in the space of where they are right now. And, um, when we ask the question, like, how are you? We tend to, to go a little bit further and, and it's amazing how a transaction, mm -hmm. I, you know, I use quotations because a lot of people try to be very transactional. Mm. We actually try to be relational. Mm. So my baristas are amazing at getting to know people by their name and their drink. And they're very simple. Like, you know, it's a coffee shop. Can yeah. we, can we like preach the, you know, the gospel in provision coffee? Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I hire all walks of life I yeah. mean, and people know that I'm very confident in my faith and I have no problem being approached by it. Mm. But my goal isn't to be like, this is the only way to live. Mm. That never works for anybody. It didn't work for anybody in the Bible and it didn't work for me. I mean, it didn't work for me. I had mm. to actually learn it myself. I had to become curious. So mm. my goal with the store and the hospitality side and meeting people where they are is to create consistency mm. in the relationship. Now, if we meet you one time, and let's just say it was a bad transaction. We're going to do our best mm -hmm. to make sure that we can basically humble ourselves, whether we're right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing to see the response of really angry people mm. because they're the hardest, right? Yeah. They're like, I'm not moving. You didn't put cream in my coffee. And you're like, well, we can make you another one. And, and the response that we give, it's not like, oh my gosh, it's this guy again. Mm -hmm. It's no, he's, he's upset. Mm -hmm. So how do we meet him being upset? Mm -hmm. How do we change that? And um, it's been amazing to be on the watching my team. Cause I yeah. always envisioned like I would be the only person that would doing that it was an unrealistic expectation. Mm. Um, and it's been beautiful to hear the stories that come out of our um, employee meetings mm. where we have this time to share, like, Hey, tell us about an experience that like somebody was really surprised by your consistency. And um, Yana, who's on my team and is one of my assistant managers, there was a gal who kept coming in and she was so bubbly and so loving. And Yana was just like, hey, I just love how you come to our store and you're just so energetic and you just seem so full of life mm. and you look beautiful today. And the girl was like literally lit up. I mean, mm. she, Yana couldn't even like, she almost started crying because she was like, this girl hadn't heard that enough. Mm. And that's what we really try to do. That was that's a perfect cool. example yeah. of like when hospitality is done right. And I think that for me, we're just going to try to keep creating those experiences for people to meet them where they are. Yeah. I love that. And then the last part is the product. Okay. So it was those three pillars in yeah. the store is 
the space Mm -hmm. and then um, hospitality and then the product, which goes back to that global. Mm -hmm. Um, We are very committed to um, serving product that is excellent. We tend to be very innovative in our drink designs and um, we spend months and months on trying to, you know, create the best, you know, cappuccinos or the best we're known for the honey lavender latte, um, which (laughs) I never thought that that's what we'd be known for, but, um, we are, and, um, that was my business partner. He's just done an amazing job at creating recipes. And, Mm. um, I feel like if you meet people in a space that evokes like, oh my gosh, I love being here. Mm -hmm. And then you hit them with like this great hospitality and then the products that's finding a ceiling point where they take that sip and you're like, Mm. oh my gosh, you just sealed the deal. Well, in business, that's like, that's a great, you know, that's residual income. Mm-hmm. People are going to come back and it's no longer a transaction. It becomes kind of habit and becomes someone's space. So do you do, you do to go cappuccinos? We do. Yes. Oh, you do. Oh, we do. yes. Excellent. A little different. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Remember we, we meet people where yeah, they're at. Yeah. So. That's what I was wondering how that conflicted with your, well, we, you know. we, I mean, COVID's obviously changed. Yeah. You know, we no longer have ceramics in the store anymore mm. um, just because it's created so much you know, health kind of stipulations and sharing germs and just being able to be fast enough to kind of mm. serve people well. So, um, we've made some compromises. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you've kind of highlighted on this a bit, uh, throughout our conversation, but what, um, how would you say you've really seen God work through provision and really continues to mm. work? Well, that's a great question. Um, He's, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing to see the trials and tribulations through my own personal life. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll speak for this on a personal level, because I think this is something that a lot of people don't get to hear from founders or people running companies. Um, I've experienced loss. I've experienced, you know, identity crisis. I've experienced anxiety and stress mm. um, just manifest in such a way. But I always still feel his presence mm. and his peace. Um, and every time that I know it's kind of cliche for some Christians, but every time that I feel like things aren't going right, mm-hmm. I have to ask myself why. Mm. And then I see him being like, Hey, I'm right here. Mm. Like I feel him knocking and he's reminding me like you're overcomplicating it. Like mm. let go and let me and, and just see that. And so in this season right now, um, as long as like 10 years feels like a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there was a podcast that I listened to. Are you guys familiar with La Colombe? So they have that draft latte and they can oh, get yeah, like yeah, Trader yeah. Joe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The steel cups. So they. Steel uh, cans. Yes. Yeah. They, he, they patented that technology for the, the, uh, what is it called? The draft latte. Mm-hmm. And it's I listened. It's tasty. It's actually really good. I, I'm <laughs> like mad props to them, but they've like changed the world in coffee in terms of putting something in a can that actually yeah. tastes good yeah. and is shelf stable. That's yeah. really complicated, but they were telling their story and it wasn't about like their faith. It was just like this trials and tribulations of 10 years of business. They didn't open their second store until 10 years later. Wow. And in I think, Chicago? uh, p- Philadelphia. Oh, and so close, close. Way, yeah. intelligentsia. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. She had, she had one there. Um, <laughs> But I thought about that for a second in, in relation to not just my business, but my faith, my faith journey. So I've been walking with the Lord now for, uh, 20 years and it was crazy to think that like God is just starting with Mm. me. So Mm. it's taken me 20 years to, uh, I don't know if you guys are Oswald Chamber fans, but the (laughs) Oswald is a big, like, what does ultimate surrender mean? Mm. When I started my journey with provision, um, I had reached a place in my life that I no longer could actually try to put things in order 
to make sense. I knew there was a void that I couldn't understand and it was beyond my own understanding. And, and I had Oswald as Joel's father actually gave it to me, um, as kind of like when I left California to Arizona and he said, here's to your ultimate surrender. That's what the inside of my Oswald chamber book said. Mm. Was, was it, like, um, up, up my up most most, highest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just a daily yeah. devotional, but the whole entire theme is this idea of, you know, how do you ultimately surrender to the Lord? And I thought about that for mm. so long. And as I, as I look back over the last 20 years, as I look back over provision, as I look back over my own personal life, like I was thinking about this on the way here because I knew something around this question would happen. And, and I want to be encouraging to people because I think that's important, you know, inside this conversation, um, all of life is for Jesus. How does that adapt to you where you are right now? Mm. And I think so often we don't, we don't talk enough about the trials and the tribulation, but we talk mm. about the finish line. Mm. I can tell you in the last 20 years, it has been painful, but it hasn't been lonely. Mm. And I think that there's so much power when we recognize to see like the things that I've struggled with for 20 years, I've seen myself come out of those mm. and, and we forget about time. Yeah. Right. It's like things do take time and we live in a culture where, you know, take the election or a headache or we want instant gratification. Mm-hmm. We don't serve a king of instant gratification. Mm. We serve we serve a king that sits over you know, the eternity. Mm-hmm. And when we put that in our own perspective and we think about the trials and the tribulations from, from cancer to sickness, to loss of money, to bad deals, to whatever it may be for me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, God is so much bigger. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's back, you know, I love Matthew six and you know, the lilies of the field, like do not be anxious for today because mm-hmm. it's already anxious enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. If I just sit in that and realize what provision has become and where God is taking it, like it's always going to be bigger than me. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then he's got something else for me. Right. And if we approach that, I think type of person, that personality, if we approach that with God more often with our hands open and allow for the good and the bad to kind of weep through, but knowing and understanding that he is the foundation mm-hmm. and that he will have a plan, I think life would be so much easier. And I love meeting people who walk and like literally live that. And, and it's, and I will tell you like, oh, just, you know, give it to him daily. And it's like, well, I can tell you that I don't give it to him daily, yeah. but when I don't, I feel it yeah. and I know it. And I think that as I get older, I'm like, okay, I have to get tools in my belt mm-hmm. to be able to do that because I am human and mm-hmm. I'm flawed and I can't get up every day and have that motivation, especially as a two, like, you know, I'm like highly motivated some days then I'm like, peace out. Like, don't talk to me. I'm going to go hide in a corner in a coffee shop that nobody knows me, which is really hard to do in Phoenix. Um, so I just sit in my warehouse and drink coffee and close my door. But I think that, um, if we just spent more time looking at the tools that we have and we actually use them and use the disciplines, we would see a much different world. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I think, uh, one of the phrases, that reminds me of that is like we always as as young men and women overestimate what we can do in a year but underestimate what mm. can happen in 10 or what god will do in 10 yeah yeah, uh, yeah. which is kind of crazy it's incredible and i and i i look forward to the next 10 years and i yeah. look forward to you know it's been it's been beautiful to start having these conversations again because it's actually been very therapeutic mm. for me as a founder like i i'm head down all the mm-hmm. time yeah. and, and with, you know, 30 something employees and, 
you know, now trading coffee internationally and working with different businesses and, you know, you've got the legal, you've got the, it's like, oh my gosh, this is totally not my strong point. (laughs) (laughs) Which is right where he wants you to be. Exactly. And that's what's been beautiful about it. So So. I'm curious on that. So you just, I mean, it's kind of like, well, that's cool because it all worked out for you. So it's easy to do that. So, and in this time, as your faith was challenged, I'm sure even your model is very um, kingdom minded. Uh And I like how your name isn't, Christian coffee or but Hebrews, it's like, right? It's like, it's like <laughs> oh something God. that's like <laughs> sorry, it's sorry art- for those listeners out there. It's artistic in its own right, and and so even that has its own challenges, and you, you got to like stick to your convictions and do that. Sure. So when is that? Has that? Are there, have there been moments? And how have you? Mainly, I want to know how you dealt with them oh, or man. how you got through them, like where your faith was challenged. Where you're like, maybe I should just not let them charge me more, and maybe I should not, you know, create these things. It's it's happened so many times where. Um, I have to quiet myself and, and it's usually when I get angry, when I start getting mad about something it's particular to, you know, whether it's a contract or something that we've done and we've made a mistake or even being challenged by other employees who may not have the same faith as me. Mm. I have to like sit and really think and being like, okay, what would Lawrence do? I know what Lawrence would do. Like, that's not the response that I need. (laughs) So how do I pull back and how do I ask better questions? Because it's not the answers that I'm looking for myself. It's the answers that I want to hear from the people that I have like that conflict with mm. that will really lead to, a, will lead to a resolution. Now it's challenging in, in the faith component of it because not everybody has, I think the same roadmap. They don't have the same tools. So sure. when we talk about, you know, things that are scripture that are, are speaking to people who know God versus people who don't know God, like they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So how do I, as a business person adapt and being like, no, 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 I promise you this is going to be better. Mm-hmm. I just promise you. They're like, you're crazy. That makes sure. no sense. And here's what's actually happening. So, I mean, I won't, I don't, I don't have like a perfect example for you, but I can say that I'm challenged in that every single day when, you know, I'm not, when you run a business, you, I think you, you fall in love with the idea that you're going to run a bunch of people and like, you're going to do all these things. But the reality is, is that you, if you're a good business person, you get pushed out of it mm. and you're no longer like, you know, you basically work yourself out of a job. Sure. Mm. So I get, I get like the cliff notes these days mm. and, um, it's great, but it's also sad sometimes. I'm like, I want to be really connected, yeah, but I can't. There. Yeah. Um, but the, the challenge is, is, you know, how do I keep my foundation as a believer and not let the rest of the world kind of impede in? And it's always, it's just a longer discussion. I think that there's compromises that are made on both sides, but I try to I try to land in the middle mm. where there's real neutrality for the kingdom of God to still thrive. And I think some mm. people would be like, what? And I'm like, no, no, I promise you. In order for people to, I think, want to know more about you, you've got to invite them to the table. Mm. And if you're not sitting at the same table, then you're not going to have this any, there's no chance of you having a great conversation. Mm. Mm. I love that. Let the kingdom of God thrive. And even through coffee, even through coffee, especially Even through coffee, especially through coffee. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. But thank you so much yeah. um, just for being with us today and for um, sharing your heart and your heart for provision. Um, you guys will have to definitely check out Provision Coffee in Arcadia. Um, but yeah, it's been great to just hear from you, Lawrence. And um, yeah, I'd love to have. Uh, more time to talk about how decaf coffee is made without oh, losing yes. its flavor. But oh, another time, another, <laughs> another time. time. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I appreciate all the, the support of Redemption. Mm. Um, it's been incredible through this season. 
to see um, our church thrive um, to, to support the local business. I happen to be one of the beneficiaries of that. Yeah. The, the team at Redemption reached out to us in that time and it was mm. really kind of, um, it was incredible. So those who are listening at home, whether you feel like you've been a part of our story or not, you have been. And I think that's the incredible thing about the that's kingdom crazy. of God. It just so keeps going. Awesome. It's just expanding. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time and for allowing me to Absolutely. share just a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Catch you next time.